0: Have any of you ever experienced deja vu? Of course, right? We all have at one time or another. It's like a a time warp for me. Everything kind of slows down and, and you say to yourself, haven't I been here before? Haven't I heard this one other time at least in my life? Perhaps you're experiencing deja vu right now. I know that I am. After all, wasn't it just a little over a month ago that we talked about Jesus going up into the clouds, into heaven? Yeah, we did. It was, it was Easter Sunday, the holiest day of the Christian calendar. So what is this ascension of Jesus into heaven? And how does it differ from the resurrection? Well, the resurrection, as we all know, was a very tangible and dramatic conquest over sin and death, changed the course of history for all of us, provided for us an escape from eternal damnation and a pathway to salvation. Except for one thing, nobody saw it, at least as far as we know. Nobody was there to give an eyewitness account, just the aftermath, namely the empty tomb. The ascension was different in a couple of ways. Obviously, number one, it came 40 days after the resurrection. And we might talk briefly about the significance of 40 days after the resurrection. And secondly, there were eyewitnesses this time. There were several gathered around Jesus when he ascended into heaven, giving us proof, documentation, through their word, through scripture, that Jesus actually did ascend into the heavens. But why did Jesus feel the need to walk the earth for 40 days after the resurrection? You know, there's a lot we can accomplish in 40 days. That's over a month. I know time passes quickly and we never get everything done that's on our to-do list, but we can get a lot done in 40 days. So what was Jesus up to? What were his goals, his objectives During this 40-day period. Well, one that we all are aware of was some unfinished business, including an encounter or a visit with a gentleman by the name of Thomas. You may remember Thomas, a.k.a. the doubting Thomas, the one who missed all of the action, the one who really couldn't believe his ears because his eyes did not see it. Did this really happen? Was this Jesus crucified? And more amazingly, did he rise again from the tomb? I'm not going to believe it until I see it. So, indeed, Jesus did appear to Thomas. And I guess you might say that he gave Thomas a front row seat, which he may not have had on the day of the crucifixion. And certainly, as far as we know, no one really had on the morning of the resurrection. I bet we'd all like to have a front row seat right now, right? As this pandemic passes, you want to be in the, the front row for the Rubber Ducks game or, or the Indians game. Certainly the Browns, when they come back in the, the fall, love to have a front row seat for that, would we, would we not? And those concerts, that AD, ACDC concert that Stewart's going to later this summer, um, I'm sure that uh, he'll want to have a front row seat. So whether it's a concert or a ball game or a play, we all want the best seat in the house. Of course, uh, there is that uh, one exception in the church. Sometimes the most popular seats are in the back, but, but I get that. Today, however, I want to offer you uh, a couple of front row seats. And these are free of charge. So I'm going to set up a couple of chairs here. And at any point this week or whatever that anybody would like to come, and have a front row seat, you are most welcome to do that. Up close and personal. By the way, these are antiques given to me by Pete and Natalie Bunt. One is from our beloved Oak Chapel, our ancestors. Many of them sat in this one. And this one is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the Jefferson Recreation Center, which became a recreation center. Originally, it was a school that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So the chairs are set, and I don't think you can get much closer to the cross or to the light or to the word than that. You've got a front row seat. Now, not that you need it, because you can see perfectly fine from where you are in the sanctuary or online or in the parking lot. You can you can hear, you can see what's happening. But I wanted to Make this offer, make this opportunity so that you won't miss a thing. Thomas needed a front row seat. But for us, we don't necessarily need to see to believe. All we need to do and what we've done is to listen and to hear to believe. Still, it might be in our best interest to consider being watchful And wise that before anything we do, we glance skyward before we act and before we speak to remember that he departed that way. And maybe just as importantly, if not more so, that he will return one day in that same way, possibly right over the hill here in Jefferson. Maybe that's where we'll be when we first see him when when he returns Now, a quick word of caution, if we had looked to the sky a week or so ago, we might have seen a 20-ton Chinese rocket hurtling our way. Fortunately, that landed in the Indian Ocean. As far as I know, no one was hurt. In a few weeks, if we look to the sky, we may see billions of buzzing cicadas heading our way, a frightening sight to be sure. But we still want to be watchful because Jesus will be back, just as he promised, We just don't know when. Probably not for decades, maybe even centuries. Possibly this afternoon or maybe tomorrow. Later this week, we simply do not know. So we are advised in all things through Scripture to be watchful and to be wary. So how do we do this? How can we stay on guard, to stay sharp? Well, because of our belief and reverence for the scriptures, we basically get a vision through the word of God, which in the Gospel of Luke quotes Jesus as saying, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law from Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Not could be, not should be, but must be. So that gives us another strong indication about the validity and veracity of Scripture. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Perhaps he will open ours as well and remind us of something that we've heard before. Sort of like deja vu. This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations. We know that to be true, right? We celebrated that about six weeks ago. The glorious resurrection on Easter Sunday. Then it goes on to say you are a witness to these things. Well, wait a minute. I didn't see anything. I wasn't even there. I wasn't even born. What do you mean that I am a witness. Well, we know the old expression, seeing is believing, but through our faith, hearing is also believing. By now, we've come to understand the power and majesty of the word. For some of us, like me, it's been a lifelong journey. Is it really the truth? Is it really what he said? But gradually, he opens our mind, And enlightens us to the truth of his word. And that's how he left things before he left this earth. He led them out as far as Bethany, where he lifted his hands and blessed them. And as he blessed them, he left them and was taken into heaven. Now, when we read other similar accounts in scripture, we also are made aware of the reaction of the people who were there. They sometimes fall down face down they can't believe what they just saw but apparently the reaction here was yeah we get it we understand there was no marveling it was almost expected this was part of the plan that Jesus would be with us for an additional 40 days and then he would depart into the heavens and oh by the way that's where he is today in case you're looking for him however he is also very much alive and with us in this world right here right now, in this place, right next to you, right next to each and every one of you because he loves you in that way and he manifests himself in that way. And so that brings us back to today, well, sort of. Paul picks up in his letter to the Ephesians when he said, Since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, this is the reason that I don't stop giving thanks to God for you when I remember you in my prayers, Paul is elated, even inspired, that even though Jesus departed this earth in a physical sense, he is very much alive in the hearts, in the minds, in the spirits, in the soul of the Ephesians. I wonder if he would say the same thing about the Jeffersonians and the Westerians. How much is Jesus alive in each of us? something for us maybe to ponder at this point but just to be safe just to be sure Paul said this I pray that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that makes God known to you it is a process for some it's immediate but for many it just takes time I just completed one of my courses of study yesterday of course online and the professor continue to encourage us to explore the scriptures, to understand and to believe, but to question what is the meaning? What is the intent of our holy word? And the only way we can do that is to be in the word. So he goes on to say, I pray that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call. What is the richness of God's glorious inheritance among believers? Glorious inheritance for each of us gathered here today. And what is the overwhelming greatness of God's power that is working among us as believers, working right now in this church? Then he adds this, the power is conferred by the energy of God's powerful strength. God's power was at work. The word power, the root word, mentioned three times. God's power at work in Christ when God raised him from the dead and sat him at God's right side in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority and power and angelic power, any power that might be named, not only now but in the future. So if you're keeping count, the word power is mentioned six times. And finally, he says this, God put everything, not most things, everything, under Christ's feet and made him head of everything in the church, which is his body. His body, the church, the fullness of Christ who fills everything in every way. And that includes us. So hold on just a second. I need, to, I need to write some of this down. I want to make sure I don't forget. Even though the letter to the Ephesians was written more than 2,000 years ago from a prison in Rome, it still resonates for all of us today very clearly and directly. In case there's any doubt, however... God put everything under Christ's feet from way, way up there in the heavens. So it's really not about Joe Biden or Boris Johnson, Putin or she, Merkel or Macron. But don't tell them that. It's all about Jesus Christ, the body of the church, the fullness of him who rules and fills everything in every way. So, what are we left with today? What's our, quote, take-home message? Continue to seek guidance and wisdom as you look to the open sky. And as you do so, open your Bible as well. For He is the Lord God, the Spirit of all creation. And the promise that was made that He's coming back, will hold true. Just keep watching. Keep listening. For he fills everything in every way, just as he promised. Let us pray. Lord God, we have been deceived or we have allowed ourselves to be misled. While we were advised to respect the leaders of this world, we know that you are the one true omnipotent leader of all. And so once again, we put our full faith and trust in you for you bring us the assurance that you are always with us from above in heaven and right next to us here on earth. And for that assurance, we give you everlasting thanks and praise now and forever. Amen.